0: What's up Managing Madrid podcast listeners, this is Keon Sobani, happy Saturday. What you're about to listen to or watch, depending on what platform you're consuming the content on, is a clip that was taken away from the Valencia post-game show. That's right, Matt Wilty and I, we hopped on Zoom after the game and every single patron over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid got a Zoom link and that way they could join us on the Zoom call. For a very interactive post-game podcast, there's a live chat going on. Matt and I break it down. Every single tactical wrinkle. The full episode was about an hour and a half. We talked about player performances, collective performances, Carlo Ancelotti's decisions, post-game quotes, burnabout things, um, of course, the Paulista challenge on Vinicius, and much, much more. We did, we did a Q&A session at the end. People on Zoom actually spoke to us face-to-face. It's a ton of fun. If you're not a patron over on Patreon.com slash ManagingMadrid, that's just one of the things you miss. Um, The post-game shows on Zoom are are really, really fun. So if you want access to that and also the Friday mailbag, which went up yesterday, where Lucas and I answered questions, again, Patreon.com slash ManagingMadrid. Today's clip is about how Real Madrid have played non-defensive football and how they've controlled games and conceded less chances doing so Also in here stuff on Danny Ceballos and Eduardo Camavinga, how important they've been and more. Enjoy it. Thank you. And we'll see you Sunday after the Mallorca game. Let's go. This is the second game in a row, Matt. We've conceded less chances than normal by not playing defensive football. And I think that is an important takeaway that... And because you mentioned Cruz playing at the six. Hey, man, if you play like this, Cruz can play at the six all season, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You're controlling the game. We had over 70% possession. Sabayas is doing that thing again where he's winning the ball all over the field. We have control. It's – I hope this continues. Um, I was wor- – like, when I saw the starting lineup, I was worried, oh, Modric and Cruz together, does that mean that we're not going to be as aggressive with our line like we were against Real Sociedad? It was different personnel, but it was the same strategy. we We tried to control the game. And that I think that matters. We could play defensive football and concede more chances than we did today. I wanted to get your thoughts on that.,
1: no, I think that's a really good point. Um, like that's something we've talked about going back. you going back years into like how can you play with Cruz as a defensive midfielder? Well, you have to control the game. You have to prevent counterattacking. Opportunities, transition moments, and counter press high up the pitch. And you need to have a really high defensive line. Like you, there can't be space between your midfield and your defensive line. And Rudiger, Militao, when he was in there, Nacho, the back one, I think they did a really nice job of uh, staying high up the pitch. Like if you were, if you were, I'd love to hear uh, Ewan's perspective on this because he got the game for us. But if you're at the Santiago Bernabeu in those seats, like you can see. Uh, you don't have a good vantage point watching on tv but when you watch it in the stadium you can see how high that line is and like how much space we leave behind us and when you're a real Madrid defender like that's kind of the the mo but that being said i don't think we've done a good job of that in the past especially not under enchiladi and so to see us put two games like this in a row especially against real sociedad who are a very good team um i think it's i think it's a po- really positive point and if we can continue to build on this then yeah this is this is huge for the team
0: you and i are kind of also biased in a way towards this kind of football would you say
1: because i feel like most people probably are <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's i think it's just more entertaining you know yeah the yeah. pods are more, more entertaining the fans are in a better mood usually it's just kind yeah. of better, unlike unless. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, there's a time and place for it. Like if you got B BB, Prime BBC, and you're playing, you know, Fine. against Bayern, then by all means, it's going to be fun as hell, right? Or Mourinho. Like there are obviously certain times where it really, really is fun. Um, But but generally speaking, like this, this felt like more like r- the last couple of games. That's felt more Real Madrid e. That and, and also the second half against Villarreal, the remontada, when, when Ceballos was entered the field. So I feel like we can talk about Ceballos again as a as one of the main talking points for the, I don't know, was it fourth? Is it four games now in a row? Yep.
1: 104
0: successful passes today. Um, Incredible ball progression. Ball carrying was good. Have to look at the numbers, 127 touches, game high. Um Bernabeu is chanting his name, asking him to stay. He waves back. It's a nice, nice feeling. Ancelotti said after the game, uh, let me bring it up on managing.com. Ewan published it, quote, Ceballos so is doing very well and everyone can see that the fans in the club, his contract will have to be sorted out between him and the club. Everyone knows what I think we're managing this midfield transition well, and it'll be like this until the end of the season. We're giving minutes to players who are behind Cruz and Mortis, but we're keeping in mind that they're both still fundamental players uh, for this team End quote. I I've, I think there was another quote that Ewan didn't include here. I think he Ancelotti must have said it pitch side and not in the press conference but there was a, there was a moment where he said something to the uh, effect of it looks good the way it's going with Ceballos. it looks like the contract negotiations um are good they are, or no it, it they won't be a problem that's what he said it it won't be a problem the way he's playing feels optimistic you i know you want to gloat a little bit you brought up on, on, on Twitter, you, you resurfaced uh, a prediction on the managing major roundtable you made at the beginning of the season where you said your hot take was Ceballos and Asensio would play well and they would earn contract renewals. I don't know if Asensio is there yet, but obviously he had a good game. But the Ceballos is, is, is the main part of this. You brought it up. You tagged Eduardo, who was skeptical before. We've got to get Eduardo on the podcast. It's been too long. But even you, surely, Matt,
1: probably didn't expect this. First off, total respect for Eduardo. I'm not, I'm not going after you, Eduardo. I just, just had to call that out. Had to call that out. Matt, Eduardo um, beef would be a hell of a story yeah. this season. Yeah. What a storyline. Um, but honestly, honestly, Keon, like, given what he did last year in the Champions League, and even think about when he started last year. Like, think about the game against Osasuna away in Pamplona He started that game. It was kind of in, in the middle of the Champions League run. He scored. He played incredible. I think he had an assist in that game, too. Like, this, this wasn't that hard for me to believe. The Asensio one, I agree, is a stretch. But Sabah, if you told me Sabayos was playing like this halfway through the season, I wouldn't be that surprised. And you and I obviously watched him through the Arsenal stage and the ups and downs there. And I can tell every, I mean, most of the people on this listening to this podcast are patrons. So they know they probably listen to some of our loan tracker pods. Like 80, I would say 80% of the time Tobias was really, really good. Um, Tobias was really good. (laughs) Tobias was really good playing at Arsenal. Like he was, he, there was one dip in form when he got an injury He had an ankle injury. He was out of the lineup. Arteta then said he was training like an animal and that made all the difference. I think he learned a lot under Arteta and he grew there. And this isn't that surprising if you think, and he kind of talked about it after the game as well. He said, it's been really tough for me coming back from loan. And then I got injured immediately. I think we all forget. He had a really bad ankle injury uh, from the Olympics last season to start the year. So then he was out until November, or December. And then He played the, and then that's when he started gradually getting into the team. Ancelotti had that famous quote saying, "I should have given Ceballos more minutes." And sure enough, like he's proven that he is, he is this quality guy. And I'm really happy for him because it's just been such a, it's been such a uh, just difficult career at Real Madrid for the most part. And like everybody wrote him off. Usually, when a guy goes out on loan for two years, they don't come back. Or if they do come back, then it's like kind of the one-year deal and then they're sold. And I think I think it's really going to work out for him. I hope it does. Like, it sounds like things are coming together. He's saying all the right things after the game, saying, I want to stay at Real Madrid. I want to be here as long as guys like Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, I'm still learning from them. Like, he's saying all the right things after the match. Um, and so I think everyone's just kind of falling in love with BIOS. Yeah, think about how unlikely it was.
0: For, for all of this to happen for him. The fact that you mentioned the, the two-year loan stint, the fact that he had so many players ahead of him, including the two greatest central midfielders in the history of the club still here, the fact that we had just signed Kamavinga, the rise of Fede Valverde. It's a lot. It's a lot that has to go your way for you to break through in a team like this. And he's—you got to give him so much credit for for doing this. It was amazing. I mean, I, I took note of the fact that he was the only midfielder that did not get sub today. That's how much things have changed in the pecking order with him. Uh, it, it's really amazing to see him climb climb up the the ranks, the midfield ranks, and to see him in this role. It's it's really impressive. Hey man, if if he renews, I will consider that as a great signing. I I I Someone asked me this on we did like this in Instagram Q and A yesterday. Should Savias renew? Convince me. I I want to I want to renew him. I think he deserves it. I think he's earned it, and I think we could really use him. Um, it did Matt freeze for anyone else or is it just me? Matt is frozen.
1: Can
0: you still hear me though? Yeah, I can hear you, but your face is frozen. Okay, okay. okay. Marcos is nodding. Okay. Matt is frozen. Okay, you as long as we can hear you, that's the most important part. Yeah. We can and we can see you. That's all we need to know. Tony can still see you. That's all that matters. If Tony can, <laughs> if Tony can see you, then uh, then we're happy. Um, all right. So this is we got a lot to get through. Um, one of the things I wanted to transition to as as a, is as one of the main talking points. Ancelotti said something interesting after the game about Kamavinga, That. He was, you know, we've all been surprised. He said this. He said we've all been surprised by what he's done at left back. What he also said, which was, that stood out to me was, Vinicius connects well with him and likes playing with him. And I thought that was an interesting um, point to make. Kamavinga was getting into... And I, with all due respect to Mendy, a player I like and a a player who I think used to get in the final third much more than he has in the last 24 months or so. Kamavinga was getting into positions in the final third that I don't think Mendy's even ever seen or ventured in his whole life, like that he even knows exist. He basically was playing as a left center forward for that entire second half. He was playing as an inverted fullback. He was getting up and down the wing. the back heel and that, and the one he, the back heel he had in, in the left half space in the box to chew many who came in on the field in, in the box. That was amazing. But just some of his, his dribbling, his composure. Now, I don't, this is the funny thing about coming. I, I actually don't know if this was his best left back cameo. I think he's in better, he was better in the last game. But he's getting into positions that are really helpful, even if he can't beat his man. Cause there were a couple of times where he tried to shoulder drop and get past his man and he couldn't, but still just his presence there helped. And the fact that Vinicius is comfortable playing with him. Last couple of games, this one and the last one, this one more so that, that we, we did go through the left a lot because we didn't really have the Rodrigo link-up thing in the 10 position, although Asensio did give us some, some presence on the right. But these last couple of games, it hasn't been Vinicius by himself, if you've noticed that in part because we're bringing the line higher up the pitch. So he has more support and more space to work with in that sense. And also Valencia, even then, um, we're also keeping a high line on a couple of occasions. Like, for example, on Vinicius' goal, we were making runs in behind both Gaia and, um, remind me of the right back's name, Uh, Fulquier. And they didn't really have an answer for that. But whether it was in transition or facing uh, a deeper defensive line, we had numbers, we had support for Vinicius, and Kamavingo was definitely a part of that. Where are you on this? Because on one hand, I'm conflicted. Sheikh Atiri is not on the call, is he? No, he's <laughs> not. He I, would, I expected him to be first in line tonight because Kamavingo got left back. Um on one hand, I'm really happy he's doing well at left-back. On the other hand, I'm kind of worried that he's just never going to play another position again. <laughs> Where are you on this?
1: Honestly, Kian, he's made us kind of, not necessarily eat our words, but he's playing way better than I expected him ever to play at left-back. Like, I just thought this was an experiment. We'll We'll do it a couple times, and we'll get through it. Like, he'll maybe get exposed positionally, but... He's been way, way better than I expected. Like, uh, usually I'm not in favor of these types of position conversions. And I'm not saying, like, he should be the full-term, long-term left back. I'm still not there yet. But, man, does he provide a totally different dimension in that position because not only does he have the comfort in central channels and the ability to play – and underlap really well with Vinicius and just combine, but he has technique and the ability to beat players off the dribble down the flank. And so I think what I love about him in that position is, like, he can beat two or three guys off the dribble and move the team up the pitch. And, man, he's been really, really good there. Combining, he just creates overloads. He creates little triangles in the final third that we just play play through. He opens up space for Vinicius, takes defenders away. Um, like you said, like he ventures into positions for a lot of he's never even known of. Um, so this has been probably one of the biggest surprises of the season. And I think, I think this is what's going to end up happening. I think he's going to, he's going to be a midfielder. Like, I think that's going to be his long-term role. I think we'll probably see partner to many in the center of midfield. And I wouldn't be surprised if we convert to a four two three one down the line. But I also wouldn't be surprised for the remainder of this season and in the future in general, if he just starts, like if games start going in a certain way or we want to be more attacking and we want to throw everything at it, we just move another midfielder in there, sub somebody on and then move Subba, uh, move uh, um, Kamavinga to left back to just get a little bit more impetus in the final third and have him combine. Like I think that's probably going to be something that happens a lot more.
0: Yeah, I think those, one thing that strikes me about this is that He's not even playing kind of shy at that position. If you see most players, if they get reinvented to such a degree, they're not going to go too crazy. They're going to let the game come to them. They're going to be like, okay, let's, let me just not mess this up. I'm just here to cover. It's an emergency situation. He just takes that role and he plays with swagger. He's really carried himself. like The body language, the way he carries himself, it looks like he's been playing that position his whole life. I don't know what this means because you and I have warned everyone about the inevitable team that finally tests him. I thought Real Sociedad did test him a couple of times. No one really talks about it because I think it's a little bit taboo because he's done so many good things, but both Elustondo and Kubo got the better of him twice in that Real Sociedad game.
1: And in this game, he didn't get tested. Thorloff almost scored in the early minutes too by making a run between Ruger and Canavinga and Kamavinga kind of fell asleep, if you remember, right in the beginning. Right, yeah,
0: at the beginning. And uh, and who were we playing before? Atlético, right? Atlético did not test him either. We're kind of waiting for the inevitable. Now I don't. Maybe we won't see it though, because by the time Barça is, Mendy going to be back for the Barça game? Uh, I don't think he uh-huh. will. But by then, but yeah, by, by then we might see Nacho Carvajal
1: on the wing backs. Back in April, well, Rishi saying back in April, so he's gonna—he's yeah. out for a while. Yeah, it was what it
0: was—two months, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What am I saying? I, I totally. Yeah. I just—I remember even that day when it was announced, two months. I was like, oh my god, his season is over, and now I'm talking about—is he gonna be back next week? I'm losing my <laughs> mind. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know if this twists Ancelotti's arm to. Go the other way because I, because he was talking about um, before this game. I think not not in the pregame press conference. Maybe it was before that, but he basically said when Nacho is coming back, it'll be Nacho and Carvajal again. Now this gets even further complicated. Now Militao is injured, so Car- Carvajal came in today. Nacho went to center back. The whole back line is messed. So we, we might as well talk about that aspect of this right now. I was really, really sad to see Militao get injured because, not least because the wing back or the the back line is getting decimated with injuries right now, but also because Militao has been really good. I wrote about him this week. His defensive reads, his step up interventions, all fantastic. One of the things I've been really enjoying is his diagonal balls, which have been perfect to Vinicius. Ancelotti already ruled him out for the game on Sunday. Like Usually you don't see them get ruled out till the next day. We, we do some tests. We wait to see what happens. After the game, he said the situation is much worse than Benzema. He's going to be out for Sunday. I don't know what, what else happens after that. That's a big bummer. One thing that is good is that quietly, I think Rudiger has been pretty good the past few games. He's looked much better. So what was your assessment on Rudiger? And if he has to move to that right center back role, how confident are you?